I'm thankful for the Word of God because no matter what's going on on the inside, no matter what's going on on the inside, we can always stand upon the Word of God. You know, everybody, when they come to church, everything looks good on the outside, don't they? But you never know what's going on on the inside. Just because somebody might be smiling on the outside doesn't mean that there are not tears on the inside. Doesn't mean that there's not difficulty. But no matter what we find ourselves and where we find ourselves, we can always stand upon the Word of God. James is a very practical book. It's a book that really helps us live uh, the Christian life. And James is writing to uh, Christians who were scattered abroad, if you will, all throughout the Roman Empire. And here we come to a section where James is trying to address, if you will, the church as a whole. And he's talking about playing favorites. For as many years as I can remember, my mother told me how she believed that her mom, we called her Mimi, that her mom's favorite out of all the grandchildren was myself. I was Mimi's favorite. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's not hard to believe, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, it's enjoyable to be the favorite. It is. I think everybody likes to be the teacher's pet. Everybody wants to be the favorite child. You know, now that we have uh, cell phones and things like that, and if you can get into somebody else's cell phone, I, I remember my girls, they would get into my wife's cell phone and they would change, instead of having their name in there for their cell phone, the favorite child, you know. Uh, they put that kind of stuff in there. We like to be the favorite. But what if you're not the favorite? I'm sure you can say with me that that's not a very enjoyable position. It's really enjoyable to be the favorite. But the one who is not the favorite feels like a second-class person. And the one who is the favorite has a sense of superiority or pride that wells up inside of them, thinking that they are better than other people. And you know, folks, because we live in a fallen world, we are partial people if we're not careful. We tend to put everyone in some type of category, and depending on how we evaluate them, we place people in a higher or lower position. I'm not saying that it's right, but what I'm saying is that we do live in a fallen world, and we, we judge people by what we see. Sometimes that's not always correct. See, if we're not careful, we begin to think because we live in a fallen world and that's the way people think, that it's just how things are going to be and, and it's got to be okay and, and we, we can deal with people on this level that because this person looks a certain way that it's okay to treat them this way and, and if this person looks this way, it's okay to treat that person a different way. But may I remind you that if you know Christ as your personal Savior, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called, listen, we're called, we're not just, it's not a suggestion, but we're called to follow the example of Christ. 
It isn't something that Jesus says, hey, you know what? This might be a good thing for you to do. You might want to follow my example. No, Jesus says that you are to be my disciples. That is, we are called to be an example, follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, many times, are to be like the Lord so that the unsaved can see that we're different. If the Lord Jesus Christ is not your example, what you and I are following, then who are you following? Because we're all representing somebody. Maybe you're representing yourself. I don't know. But for us as Christians, Jesus has called us to follow his example. Take a look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 22. I want you to see something as we start this message off on playing favorites. And how the unsaved world, the Pharisees of the day, saw something about Jesus. Jesus didn't go around necessarily saying this. Jesus didn't go around saying, hey, I don't play favorites. He didn't go around saying that. But his life so exemplified a love for all people that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the, the, the religious and the political elite of the day took notice that something about Jesus was different. Take a look at Matthew chapter 22 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 16. And they sent out unto him their disciples with Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true. That, that would be, we know that you're pure. We know that there's no hypocrisy in you. We know that there's no two-facedness with you. We know that you're not a chameleon. And teach us the way of God and truth. Now look at this next, next uh, section right here. Neither carest thou for any man. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love any man. For thou regardest not the person of men. You know, you know what the, the Pharisees, the religious elite, and the, the Herodians are saying? You know what? We know that you're not a hypocrite. You don't act one way with one group of people and act another way with another group of people. He's saying, you don't play favorites. See, the enemies of Jesus admitted that Jesus did not have favoritism within him. There was no, not only favoritism, there was no prejudice. There was no preferential treatment towards any type of people. And James, he deals with this head on. He doesn't mince any words, and he gets straight to the heart of the issues. And one of the hurdles we must overcome is to acknowledge and, the ex and to accept. Now listen. As Bible believers, we must acknowledge and accept. If we're going to believe the Bible and live by the Bible, we must acknowledge and accept that favoritism, prejudice, and partiality is not just a bad trait. It is a sin. I was hoping to get a little bit more than that, but we'll say this again. That favoritism, partiality, and prejudice is a sin. It's not just something, oh, I just, you know... Uh, that's just the way that I am. No. No. See, favoritism, prejudice, or partiality is never, listen, it is never compatible with Christianity. Never. So how can you and I prevent this sin of favoritism or prejudice or partiality? Whatever term you want. I, I'm not going to get mixed up in semantics here. But whatever term you want to put in there, how can we prevent the sin, the sin 
of becoming a part of our life. Well, James gives to us some safeguards that will help keep us from the sin of favoritism or prejudice. Take a look, if you will, number one here, safeguard number one. If you're going to have it safeguard yourself from the sin of prejudice or partiality or favoritism, you know the character of God. You know the character of God. Take a look at James chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. You know, when we speak of the character of God, we, we think about many things, do we not? We, we tend to think, if we think about the character of God, we'll think about his love. What's the scripture say? God is love. Well, we'll think about his goodness. We'll think about his mercy that's new every morning, the Bible says. Well, we'll think about his, his grace. We'll, we'll think about his, his sovereignty that he's in control. I don't know about you, but we've got a world that's going out of control, but it's good to know that God's on his throne and he's still in control. That's a wonderful thing to know. We'll think about those characteristics, but very rarely when you maybe even hear teaching on the characteristics of God, do you hear teaching on the character of his impartiality? See, it's not one of the characteristics that is really mentioned much, but I want you to take a look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, if you will, please. See, if you're going to be kept from prejudice or favoritism or partiality. You've got to know the character of God. And this is one of God's characteristics, that he is impartial. He is impartial. Listen, God does not love anybody more or less because of the color of their skin, because of their educational background, because of their social or economic status. It, it, there is none. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the language that you speak. God is totally impartial. And if we're going to follow the example of Christ, so should we be. Romans chapter 2, if you'll take a look there. Look at this characteristic of God. We see it in verse 11. For there is no respecter of persons with God. None. You know what that word that word no means in the original Greek? Why don't you take a guess? No. Nada. Ephesians 6, 9. Don't turn there for lack of time, but write it down and you can look it up later. And I'd encourage you to do that. You ought to be as the Bereans and study the word, right? You want to make sure what's being preached from the pulpit is right. That's what the Bible says. That we're supposed to search the scriptures to see if these things are so Ephesians 6, 9, the Bible says, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Colossians 3, 25, the Bible says, but he, that doeth, uh, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respecter of persons. The point is, part of the characteristic of God is that God has no respecter of persons. I want you to take a look how God is impartial. Letter A, if you'd write this down, if you're taking notes, letter A. He's impartial in his judgment. He's impartial in his judgment. 
God is always just, and judgment and, and, and his judgments are without favoritism, partiality, or prejudice. I do want you to turn over, if you will, please, to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. He is impartial in his judgments. Romans chapter 3. Sometimes if we're not careful, you say, why are you bringing this up? Because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll think, you know what? Well, I'm a pretty good Christian and I can get away with this. Guess what? God's impartial in his judgment. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor or if you're just a once a month attender. God's impartial in his judgment. Romans chapter 3, I want you to take a look, if you will, please, in verse 9. Start there. We'll read down through verse 19. Paul here is talking about the Jews versus the Gentiles. What then? Are we better than they? The Jews, the Jews had a superiority looking down on the Gentiles. And I believe that most of us in here are probably Gentile people. The Jews were extremely prejudiced towards the Gentiles. They, they hated the Gentiles. They didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. They looked at us as dogs. And there was a superiority. There was a favoritism. There was a prejudice. There was a partiality in their mind. And Paul says, what? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. Listen, my friend, if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, you're under sin. But guess what? Everybody who does know Christ as their personal Savior at one time was under sin. See, we're not any better than anybody else in here. You say, well, oh, you Christians, you, you, you have your uh, nose up in the air. There. No, listen, my friend, I, I hope that it's not like that. But let me tell you something. The only difference between us and you or me and you is that I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior and I've asked him to forgive me of my sins and I've placed my faith and trust in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just happen to be a saint that struggles just like everybody else on my way to heaven the difference between me and you is that I've accepted the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what? You can be on the same side that the majority of the folks in here are uh, on today by accepting that free grace. All you have to do is come to the foot of the cross just like we did. That's it. He said all are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. Their poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. God's impartial in his judgment. What does Romans 3.23 say, right? You know it, many of you know it. What? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, the first thing that we must understand is that we're all sinners and we deserve eternal judgment from God. See, we're not saved based on 
ethnicity, though that's what the Jews thought. We're not saved based on wealth. We're not saved based on education or position. We are, we're not saved based on good works. There is no merit of man that can save an individual. Men are saved upon the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the impartial judgment of God for us. He laid down his life willingly. It is unearned grace. No one deserves it, but it's available to all. And that's a wonderful thing. See, if you want to be safeguarded against the prejudice or favoritism or partiality, that's sin. You know the character of God. He's impartial in his judgment. That's the negative side. And guess what? Listen, sometimes preachers don't want to preach the negative side. All they want to do is, is just preach about the love of God, and I'm all for the love of God. But listen, if you don't have bad news, there'll be no good news. The only reason there's good news is because there's bad news. The bad news is, without Jesus Christ, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care what type of education you have, without Jesus Christ, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, and you'll never have a relationship with him. You say, that's pretty strong language. That's what the Bible says. Not what a Baptist preacher says, it's what the Bible says. But the good news is, the good news is, you don't have to stay underneath the judgment. See, because guess what? Not only is he impartial in his judgment, but he's impartial in his love. God doesn't love one group of people over another. Not at all. He doesn't love Americans over Africans. He doesn't love Chinese over German. He loves all people the same. Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved and you fill in the blank. It says the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. So it's the world and whosoever. Guess what? I'm part of the world and I'm a whosoever. So guess what? Whosoever can be saved if I believe on the name of the Son of God. See, God stated and showed us impartial love by sending Jesus to the whole world. But there's another factor in knowing that God is impartial in his love. I want you to turn over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 because this is, this is important. 1 John chapter 4. Remember, we're trying to have a safeguard. What does a safeguard do? Sometimes a safeguard is what? A wall, right? Sometimes it's a guardrail. Um, have you ever been maybe to a, a really uh, a tall maybe building and you've been on the outside and what do they do? They put safeguards around so that that way you don't uh, fall off. And this is, what, this is what James is doing. He's putting safeguards in place. Because, you know, if we're not careful, people don't, I don't think, the majority of people, there are some hate groups out there on every side, okay? There are hate groups. But I don't think the majority of people set out to allow this sin to creep in their life. But what happens is partiality, favoritism, and sometimes prejudice creeps in because guess what? We like people that are like us. Right? I mean, they look like us, act like us, talk like us. We just enjoy that. And somebody who's not like us 
Sometimes it's just a little bit awkward, isn't it? It's like, you're like, well, wait, yeah. I, I just, hmm. You know what? Jesus never did that. You know what I find interesting? That he accepted the woman of the well, at the well just like he accepted Nicodemus. He treated him the same. Oh, Nicodemus would have been somebody like himself. Religious leader. The woman at the well wasn't anything like Jesus at all. But take a look, if you will, about this infinite love of God in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. There's another factor in knowing that God is impartial in his love. Take a look at this. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I want you to take a note of something. God is love, and now listen, he is never unloving even in judgment. Now, I don't have the time to go into all the theological ramifications of that. I just don't. But if we were studying the book of Revelation, you can find where the saints are crying out underneath the altar, when, O oh God, when? Judgment and justice are not enemies of love. That's as far as I can go with it this morning. I'd like to maybe one day be able to explain that to you. But remember that even in judgment, God is loving. His love is infinite. I think it would be well for us to take some time this week to be able to dwell on the love of God in our life. That his love is infinite. You know, you and I, we can't exhaust the love of God. His love is ever-present. Listen, God can't be loving at one time and unloving at another time. It's an impossibility. Why? Because his character says that he's love. So he can't be loving one minute and then unloving the next. Isn't that what Satan wants you to believe? Especially when you blow it, right? Especially when you sin. I, 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 sometimes I'll use the term mistake, and I, I want to get away from that. Is what we try and do, and here's just a little rabbit trail for you. Sometimes we just like to soften things up to make people feel better about themselves. Well, they, they, they just made a mistake. Well, look, let's just call it what the Bible says, and it's sin. We're not trying to be mean or ugly. But, you know, sometimes when we soften those terms, we, we, uh, we really want to soften the way that God may feel about it. But he's impartial in his love. He, the Bible tells us that. And he can't be loving and unloving. And Satan wants us to believe that because we've sinned, that God doesn't love us anymore. That doesn't give us a license to sin, folks. What, it, what does it do? It gives us a license to run back to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. Would you please cleanse me so that my fellowship can be restored? That's, that's what it does. God's saying, oh, well, so many times people think, well, the love of God, and, and, and they, they think, well, God, it doesn't matter to God. It does matter. It breaks our fellowship with him. And though we can't exhaust his love, and though his love is ever present with us, we should never take advantage of it. His love is constant. Guess what? His love is for me. His love is protecting. His love is undeserved. 
Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer verbally, but I want you to think about this. Now, according to what I've just given you, would you agree that God's love is impartial according to the Word of God? Would you agree that we don't deserve the love of God? Would you also agree that Scripture teaches us that we are to mimic the life of God in our life? Then I've got something for you to think about. Then why? Would we who do not deserve the love of God and have nothing in and of ourselves to merit God's love be partial or prejudiced or play favorites with people? Why would we show favoritism among certain types of people? You say, well, why is prejudice, partiality, or favoritism never compatible with the Christian life? Listen, because it's never compatible with God. And there is no Christian life without God. I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 24. Because God is impartial, he instructs his people to be impartial as well. Take a look at Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 23. Proverbs 24, 23. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 23, these things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. Proverbs 28, 21 the Bible says, to have respect of persons is not good. For, for, for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. Let me ask you something. Has this sin creeped into your life? Uh, don't be so quick to say no. I mean, what happens when maybe you go somewhere, maybe you're in a doctor's office, And you're sitting there waiting for the doctor and somebody who doesn't look like you, doesn't act like you, who may not smell like you, sits down beside you. Or uh, let's just stop right there. We got in the head of ourselves a little bit. When you see them walk in, Oh, man, I hope they don't sit down next to me. You laugh because you know it's true. You know, number one, you don't know what that person's going through. And they don't know what you're going through. But remember, you have Jesus. You know, that's a partial thought. Because if another person walked in that maybe looked like you and 
really looked good, you probably wouldn't care, would you? You know, no matter who it was, Jesus never cared who sat next to him. Jesus never cared who was in the crowd. Not caring like he doesn't care, what I mean is by favoritism. He didn't care if it was Jew or Gentile. He didn't care if they were rich or poor. See, too many times we're quick to dismiss this thing because we're church people. We know right from wrong. But you know what I'm finding? The longer that I'm a Christian, the more that I grow in the Lord, we know how to put it on out here. We can look the part out here. But it's in here. where God's looking. A verse that continually comes back to my mind. He knows my thoughts afar off. Before I even think them, he knows them. We'd be quick to say, no, pastor, that's not me. I, I, I don't have that problem. Let me tell you something. You say, Pastor, have you ever thought that way? Yep, and you have too. Or we'll think this way. We'll see somebody, maybe in the church. Oh, man, I hope they don't come up to me and talk to me. I just don't feel like it. You know, maybe they're hurting. Maybe they just need somebody to talk to. Maybe they just need a listening ear. Or you know how it goes in church sometimes. You're talking to one person, but then you see your good friend. Yeah, it's very interesting to watch us when we have our fellowships. And we're getting better at this, but we, we got a long way to go. You ever notice how most folks, they always sit by the same people at fellowships because that's who you want to fellowship with? Oh, I'm not saying, you say, well, pastor, what's the big deal? We just want to fellowship together. Yeah, but what if they're guests here? Wouldn't it be great to uh, have to argue? Uh, the, the guests, we stand there like, what is going on? This person wants me to sit with them here. This person wants me to sit with them there. This person wants... I guess I, as pastor, I, I would hate to see any of that as a part of our church. See, I'm not just aiming for you to say this and just to do this. Because remember, Christians, we're real good at being able to do these things. Because we know it's right to do. Oh, pa oh, now from now on, guess what? You know pastor's watching. Guess what? It doesn't matter if pastor's watching. Jesus is watching. You're not going to give an account to me. I'm going to give an account to the same person that you give an account to. 
You say, then, Pastor, what are you getting at? I'm getting at our motives, our heart. That all of us, if we're not careful, we can allow this to creep in our lives and we can start looking at people the wrong way. And we forget that they are souls that need a savior. Just think where you would be if somebody didn't share the gospel with you. Brethren, know not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, being partial in yourselves. Now let me ask you again. Has the sin of favoritism or prejudice or partiality creeped into your life? If so, maybe this morning it's time to say, Lord, forgive me. Keep me from that. Help me to treat all men as you would treat them. You know what? That takes work. That just doesn't happen naturally. For some, it may be a little easier than others, but all of us have to work at that. For those of you who don't know Christ, your personal Savior, I talked about that God is impartial in his judgment. And if you walk out of here today and life were to cease in your body, my friend, I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm, I, I want to tell you the truth. That if life were to cease in your body and you have not accepted Christ, your personal Savior, I didn't say take communion. I didn't say be confirmed. I didn't say you were sprinkled as a baby. I didn't say baptized. I didn't say any of those things. I said if you have not, by faith, placed, uh, accepted Christ as your personal Savior and life were to cease in your body, guess what? The Bible says that you would die and go to hell. God's impartial in his judgment. But he's also impartial in his love. And today can be the day of your salvation if you place your faith and trust in him. The first safeguard is to know the character of God. Do you know him? Maybe you need to remind yourself throughout this week, you say, Pastor, what's the take home then? Maybe with everybody that you deal with, you come up to, maybe it's a boss, a fellow worker, maybe it's somebody in the, the grocery store or at the uh, gas station, whatever. Say, let me remember, God, you're impartial and you love that person just as much as you love me. Help me to display that love to them. Maybe that's our prayer this morning. Maybe that's our invitation. Lord, help me. Help me to remember your character that you are impartial and help me to treat others likewise.